Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Lindsay Couture. Lindsay is a coach whose passion is to help women find their way back to wellness through movement, nutrition, and mindset work. After burning out in 2018 while being a primary caregiver of her mom with a career in healthcare, Lindsay learned the hard way about the importance of needing to put herself first. Once Lindsay began to prioritize her wellness, she lost over a hundred pounds, her mental health improved, and she began down her road of entrepreneurship. Now Lindsay uses her experience to help women reach their full potential. This is such a beautiful episode, and I'm so proud of Lindsay for how she is sharing her story in here because I know it is going to support so many people, especially in a time of being a primary caregiver, putting everyone else's needs first because we have to at times in our life, and then recognizing that all of a sudden it's like we are suffering in our own physical, mental health, and what can we do to support ourselves Lindsay does such an incredible job of sharing her story, and I love the title of this because your diagnosis does not define you. Just wait till you hear this episode. Honestly, absolutely loved it. Welcome to the show today, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I'm like really looking forward to this conversation. I was just sharing something with Lindsay before we started, and I get a lot of different um, forms, applications, emails that come out to be on the podcast. And I do not take, I maybe take half of them. And Lindsay is somebody that I actually reached out to personally and said, I would love to have you on the podcast. I do not do that often, but I watched the changes and things that you were doing and how you were showing up. And to me, there was so much power and alignment with own your choices on your life. And that's so I I'm so grateful and proud of you for jumping into this space and going, okay, let's do it. So welcome. Thank you. Yes. Oftentimes we think when we're constantly shifting and evolving that, you know, it looks wrong or we don't have our our shit figured out per se. Right. But I find the more we step into, you know, what we're meant to do and where our heart leads us, that is where success and our growth actually lives. You you just nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Two minutes in, you nailed it. All right. So (laughs) can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? So my name is Lindsay Couture, and I am a emotional wellness coach. Um, So using energy modalities, uh, yogic philosophy, chakra psychology, Reiki, and human design, I help people work through their limiting beliefs and trauma so that they can reach their full potential. Mm. And I'm assuming from that beautiful bio that that's how it's unfolded for you. This is your life, your journey right there in that summary. Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. So I am someone who struggles with mental health. I have struggled since I was young. Um, I mean, elementary school, there was a lot of evidence of ADHD and it just went undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. It's through the energy work I've done that I have seen the most success in my healing, the most growth when it comes to healing. I've used a lot of Western medicine approaches um, to my recovery. And I honestly have seen so much change since stepping into energy work. Mm, Okay. So I definitely want to unpack what energy work means to you. I realize it is like, there's a whole, that's an umbrella on its own, but when you say energy work, what are you referring to? Really working through the stagnant energy that we hold within our body. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we go through in our childhoods, a lot of generational wounding that we don't even know, you know, it actually exists. We actually think it's our own wounding that we carry, um, unpacking all that stuff from our body so that our energy can flow without the resistance, you know, from all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when our energy can flow without resistance, that is when we can tap into that unlimited potential that we all have access to. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I absolutely love that. So if we go back, you explained like what it was like growing up, what you were experiencing, what did that lead you into for a profession? So I am a caregiver for my mom. Um, I have been her primary caregiver since the age of 11 and I'm an only child. So the brunt of the caregiving responsibilities fell onto me. I ended up going to college for pre-health sciences, but ended up dropping out twice. Um, The second time I dropped out was actually because my mom was admitted to hospital. She wasn't doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, She lived there for three months before before having her first double lung transplant. So her first double lung transplant happened just around that time. I was actually diagnosed with a bunch of different mental health um, issues. So my first diagnosis actually didn't come to the age of 21, which to me is, is crazy. Hmm. Um, but with me being a caregiver, that actually led me into a profession of being a personal support worker. So my caregiving abilities turned right into you know what I did every day for a living. And truthfully, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I thought that getting into healthcare, becoming a personal support worker was everything I wanted because I was damn good at it. You know, the care I provided for my mom was excellent. Mm-hmm. So I figured why not give other people that experience because they deserve it as well. What I didn't realize is the emotional and physical and, you know, mental um, strain that it had on me. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that, how could it not? I can't. And, and when you have a job like that, it happens so often that people who have like big hearts, they want to care. They really want to pay that forward with others. It, it It's a beautiful thing, but it's very heavy. And it is, if we are not in a really solid, grounded space, giving to ourselves, taking care of ourselves first, those jobs are almost impossible. And I actually don't think that most people are in that space until they're living out of that space. And then they recognize, wait, this is not working. So where was the turning point for you? Like how long were you in that career and where was the turning point for you? So I ended up being in the corporate world for about four years before burning out completely. Um, when I say burnt out, I had gained 110 pounds. My mental health, you know, was 
gone. I had none. Like I, I was on disability. I, I wasn't able to work anymore. And truthfully, what kept me going was my mom because I knew that she needed me and without me, she, she wouldn't have anyone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kept pushing for her and then she had her second double lung transplant. So about a year and a half after being off of work, um, she went through her second double lung transplant and that was something else. You know, I thought the first transplant was bad, but second transplant was just it destroyed me. But at the same time, that was actually my catapult for change. So it's interesting because I was just about to ask you and you already answered it. Like how many times do we think those moments that destroy us are like the final break it all down, burn it down. And now I start again. There were times where I came home when my mom was in the ICU. Um, she was still hooked up to a ventilator and, you know, I contemplated my own life yep. because I was just at rock bottom. I, there was nothing else for me to do. There was nothing else for me to live for if my mom didn't make it. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you know, I really told my family, like, if my mom does pass away, like, please be prepared to, to bury the both of us. Like, this is, this is, this is how I feel. And within that struggle though, I almost realized that you know, without my mom, I have nothing, but that doesn't mean that I can't start now and make something of myself. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, if my mom didn't make it, she would be so proud of me for taking all that strength and resilience that I had gained over all those years and did something with it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So where, where was that exact, like, if you can remember that tipping or turning point where it was like, you know, I feel like I'm at my end, my bottom. You even tell others that don't be surprised if you have to bury us both. So you've already been in that space of acknowledgement, but then there's that moment where it's like, but she would be so proud if I kept going. So what was that turning point like? And when, once you made that turning point, did it, did it get easier to keep staying on that train of thought? Or did you find yourself going back and forth? I would have to say the turning point really happened when my mom came off the ventilator. Um, so though, you know, I was, I, I knew she'd be proud of me if I, I know if I continued on without her mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, that heavy emotion still weighed me down. So when she came off the ventilator, I was like, you know what, Lindsay, now's the time. Mm -hmm. Um, through the stress, through the walking, I don't know if you're familiar with Toronto General and their underground system, mm -hmm. all their tunnels, mm -hmm. but I began doing a lot of walking and the weight started to come off. So all that, that weight I had gained throughout my burnout, um, I had lost about 25 pounds. And for me, I was like, okay, you know what, maybe, maybe I can do this. Maybe, you know, even though part of me thinks there's no way in hell I'm ever going to be able to, to, to get anywhere or achieve anything. Mm -hmm. Part of me, there was a little part of me that was like, you know what, just try, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to happen if, if you don't try, what's going to happen if you do try, you're, you're going to stay in the same spot. Right. Right. And so you just kept adding on like the habits with all of the pieces and continue to create change in your life. Yep. So you know, a lot of the times when we make these lifestyle changes, we jump in full force because, you know, we want results quick. But unfortunately, when we do that, we have, you know, 
we plateau, I find very easily. We plateau, we give up, we we don't want to push further because it's not working. So what I did was small changes first. Yes. So, you know, started walking. I was, you know, my diet wasn't the best. So started making small changes in my diet there. Um, and, you know, the small changes is what equated to where I am now. I think most people actually, myself included, we underestimate the small changes and how much they add up over time. So during this time, were you still doing your job or were you on leave at that point? Yeah, I was still on disability. So I stayed on disability for about a year, um, eight months to a year after my mom's second double lung transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, in that eight, eight months to a year, I really just focused on myself. That was, you know, eating healthy, going to the gym, focusing on my running, my, my cardio and putting myself first, mm-hmm. you know, even though my mom just had a double lung transplant, even though my mom needed my support, I knew that I couldn't help her to the best of my ability unless I helped myself first. Um, I seen what it did to me the first time around. I knew what burnout felt like and I knew what got me there. So this time around, I needed to avoid that. So, you know, as selfish as it may sound, I, I say it's selfless because we need to show up for ourselves first. That in itself is so huge because it is selfless. And again, I don't think that we grasp how important that is until we are on the, like we're on the not great side of that, where it's like, this is not working. I don't have a clue what to do, but I can't keep doing it this way. And, you know, when the people who might look at you, which they don't deserve the time of day, if that's what they're doing, but if they look at you and think, well, that's selfish, um, that just brings up things in them that, you know, they're wondering like, how do I, I can't do that. I can't find that time for myself or, or that's not possible. And so when you start to be selfless and take care of yourself, you will trigger people around you. Mm-hmm. So often I see people say, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. You know, I'm balancing this, 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 and this. I just don't have the time. And one thing I've learned that is if, if it's a priority for you, like if it's something you want to get done, if it's a goal of yours that you need, you want to accomplish, there's no excuses. You're going to make the time. I was running a home care company. Like I was, I was, you know, I was working as a PSW. I was also doing all the admin stuff, all the scheduling payroll. And I still made time for myself every morning at 5.30 AM. Some people, you know, might not like mornings so much. I wasn't a fan of them, but 5.30 AM was when I could get my workouts in and I made it work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as your life started to change, Like how did your, how did this affect your mental health? As you started to make some of these changes in your life, how did that affect your mental health? You know, it's crazy (laughs) because to the degree that it has affected my mental health is tenfold. Um, You know, I was someone who was heavily medicated before I was at one point, unfortunately, because of a prescription I was given. I was solely dependent on, you know, prescription drugs and look at me. I I look at myself now and I don't even take medication anymore. Like I am completely medication free. I don't struggle with a lot of the things I used to struggle with Mm -hmm. Uh, my ADHD for one, I could never read. I could never sit there and read a book. Part of it, I believe is because I wasn't interested in a lot of what they were, you know, 
yeah, providing for me to read. <laughs> <In school>? um, <laughs> but another portion of it is our solar plexus, like our solar plexus, when it's unbalanced, we actually have hyperactivity as one of the symptoms that comes up. Mm-hmm. So as I worked through this stagnant energy within my body, within my chakras, it's almost like these symptoms I was experiencing went away. Um, to also add to that, when I started to learn about human design, I noticed that some of these symptoms I was experiencing weren't even symptoms at all. Mm-hmm. You know, my my ability to not concentrate on things I don't like, um, my hyperactivity, that actually is all part of my design. I need to burn my energy through working out, which I do, <laughs> right? Yes. yes. So I look back and I, I think about all these symptoms I was experiencing growing up and it's like, were they symptoms or was it the stagnant energy within my body and my human design meshed together? Mm-hmm. Mm. causing my mental health. Yeah. This is so good. If you're listening you're like, okay, what is she talking about with human design and solar plexus and all these things? <laughs> um, I honestly, I I've only, I'm fairly new to human design. It's like maybe about 18 months for me and it's not a box that it puts you in. I actually found it very freeing. I was like, Oh, that's, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. I fought it like crazy, but that's actually one of my gifts. Okay. I didn't understand that. So um, I'll make sure it's in the show notes, but you can go to mybodygraph.com and put in your you know, name, date of birth, time of birth and location. And it will give you, even the free site gives you lots of information. So there's a ton of information. So that's what she's referring to. I, I love, I love human design and I love learning about it. So now today, the part of you that you're describing, how long ago was that? Like these changes that you started to make and, you know, putting yourself first, like, are we talking just from then to now? What's that time difference? Three years, about three years. And within that three years, so much has happened. Like, you know, where I am now is even different from where I was a year ago from today. Mm -hmm. Um, Right after um, I decided I was going to go back to work. I decided, you know what, I still want to be a PSW, but no longer in the corporate world. I want to do this on my own time, on my own, you know, free will without anybody telling me what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And so I just started working privately. I just, you know, got a few clients here and there. And then I seen the demand. The demand was huge for private home care. And I was like, well, you know, with my experience as a caregiver, with my experience um, as a personal support worker in the healthcare system, why don't I just open up a home care company? Like this could be good. Right. So that's when I started to look into running a business and how I could, you know, make this come to life. Mm -hmm. And as much as I probably didn't really want to do, you know, the home care company, because I knew how much being a PSW burnt me out. I also had the chatter in my ear from my family saying, you can't do that. You think you could could create a successful home care company? And the defined heart in me, like my defined heart, you tell me that I can't do something. I'm going to show you I can do it. Yeah. I'm going to show you I can do it. Good. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But when, when I look at my defined heart in that sense, it's like, am I doing that out of spite? Am I doing it to prove a point? Or am I doing it because this is what actually lights me up? And truthfully, I think what continued to push me with my home care company was 
you know, I, I wanted to prove people wrong because so much of my life, I felt like I wasn't going to accomplish anything. So this, I knew I could do well because of my experience. I ended up, you know, running my company for almost two years through a pandemic, which was hard. I couldn't find personal support workers. I ended up having to work 70 hour weeks on top of all my admin work. I was miserable. I was so miserable and burnt out. Mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to close the company. And so I brought that up with my mom. I brought that up with my family. You're crazy. Why would you do that? You know, you put all this hard work into your company. Why would you walk away from it? Yeah. And at that point I had just finished up my yoga instructor training And one of the things that they really ingrain into your brain is that there is so much in our life um, that we suffer because of, and it's our own doing. We suffer because we don't walk away. We suffer because we are attached. And I realized that if I continued holding on to this company, just because of, you know, other people's opinions, I was going to keep suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the decision to walk away from, you know, my six, my, my company was making six figures. I was winning awards in my community and because of I, I'm happy I was, I walked away. Wow. Wow. So as you did this, as somebody who had spent so much time struggling, creating like something you thought for sure, this is what you wanted, but then in this space of complete burnout and walking away, did it close then just completely? Yeah. Yeah. And and how did that feel? Can I ask you? Freeing. Yeah. Wow. Completely freeing the freedom, the weight off my shoulders, the stress less that I dealt with. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I felt like I could breathe again. Mm -hmm. And there was also a part of me that I felt like I was hiding when running this home care company because I couldn't talk about it. Um, There's so much stigma surrounding mental health. And when I was, when, when I had my home care company, I felt like that I I couldn't talk about mental health. I couldn't talk about my struggle. I couldn't talk about where I was and where I got to, even though I was proud of myself. Like I'm someone who struggled with mental health and I'm successful. How can the two coexist? Like the stigma says there's no way. Right. So I, I kept quiet and I felt like a part of me was silenced because I couldn't talk about stuff. Well, and it's, as soon as it's silenced, now there's shame on it and there's shame and there's judgment and there's all these pieces. That's what silence and shame. They just work together. They love that. But the irony, I'm just like sitting in this irony of you're in like the social work field in your capacity and you can't talk about the mental health piece because yeah, like it's just so I mean, I know that's another whole topic, but the whole Bell Let's Talk Day, it's one tiny, tiny, tiny baby step in. It's not, it's not the be all end all. It does not fix it. We cannot do this one day a year. It just doesn't work like that. And so now you've left this company and now what are you doing? And that's when I stepped into the emotional wellness coaching. Good for you. Because I felt that, you know, the experiences I've been through in my lifetime, could help so many people. Yeah. And I felt like I was tired of being silenced. Like I felt like there was so much I needed to share and me staying where I was, was just creating more staying energy within my body, which I know is not good for me. So I just, I had to, I had to get away from it. Yeah. I'm so proud of you, honestly. And so I know, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there was one post that you shared 
And it was one that um, I think if I talk about vulnerability posts, if I talk about being real, you know, and raw and showing who you are, owning your story, owning your choices, all these pieces, it was summarized in that one post, you know, what I'm talking about, there was a ton of shares and a ton of comments. And it was this piece of you were being very transparent and real with where you were at. Do you know what I'm talking about? I believe that's the one where I said that I have borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And so before you posted that, before you shared it, what was the point where you're like, I think it's time to share this. And was there fear attached or what did you feel when you went through it? So I know there's so many people that are struggling with borderline personality disorder. Um, And the one thing about BPD is that there is no genetic cause, right? BPD is caused from what we've been through as children, the trauma, um, the neglect. It's caused by generational wounding from our grandparents, from our parents. Um, And I feel like Western medicine doesn't talk about that enough. I think Western medicine just talks about, yes, BPD is a diagnosis and here are the ways we can treat it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of my experience with Western medicine, at one point, I even had a psychiatrist tell me that I couldn't be helped. Um, I I knew that it was their approach that was not helping me at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I knew that, you know, through my own research, through my own learning and, you know, my own energy work that I could change BPD and I could recover from BPD. So before I made the post, yes, I was afraid. I was, I was was probably shaking to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I also know where I was and where I am now and how many people with BPD wished they could have that help without being judged, without, you know, being part of that stigma of BPD. So I was just like, just go for it, Lindsay. And I was so surprised by, you know, the amount of shares, the amount of likes, the feedback I got, I I was blown away. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure you were. I saw it. And this is the beautiful thing. I would say like, you will connect with people who you've never had a conversation with, who don't have your story but there will be something that resonates with them. And we had never had a conversation before that. I don't believe so, but maybe a couple of likes and DMs, but it was not a conversation. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, I love seeing people step into this space of saying, yep, this is me. This is me. And I mean, I, I'm done hiding and, and hiding in who I am. And that's what I saw in that message. I think the other thing that I want to share that is really powerful. Um, when I first started to share my own story, I was, uh, I was always like, okay, but it's only going to speak to people who live my exact story. And that was a big eye opener that that's not true. Like that's not true at all. And so I know, like, I have to know and believe, and I would love to hear any feedback from things you got from people, but because you shared your story, you resonate with people who maybe don't live it exactly, but know it and they feel it. And your story, your message in there, I personally have not lived with it myself, but I have experienced it very close in my life. And so I could relate to so much of what you were sharing. And I think that also too was almost healing for myself. When I shared that post, you know, I wasn't looking for validation. I wasn't, you know, trying to seek, you know, admiration for my bravery. 
but it was more so I have felt so alone throughout my life because people just don't get it. People don't understand, you know, the emotions of BPD and, and how triggering they are. Lindsay, actually, Lindsay Anderson, the one you, you spoke about earlier, um, described it perfectly. You know, it's almost like we don't have skin. Our nervous system is just completely exposed. So we feel a lot differently than most people do. Oftentimes we are judged. We are called, you know, overly sensitive. You know, you take things too personally and that's not our fault. You know, it's through what we've been through in our lifetime that has caused us to, to create, you know, these coping mechanisms and, and cause us to be the way we are. Mm -hmm. And we receive so much judgment and, you know, so much negativity because of it. And I felt alone my whole life because no one got that. No one understood when I shared that BPD post, the amount of people that said, you know, I get it, I understand, I can relate. I felt a sense of community almost mm -hmm. because finally, for once, I was understood and people, people like got what I was talking about. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I think the one thing I just want to pour back into you and for anyone who's listening, like when I know when you shared that post to me, like there's always a difference between being in your story and on your story. And in your story is when we're that victim, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're all those emotions, those live, low vibe emotions that don't serve us, but we all, we're all there. Like there's no judgment. We've all spent time there. But to me, that was a standing on your story. There was nothing about that post that screamed like, look at me, here's, I need validation. It was just a factual, this is, this is life and this is what it is. And that is a, that's the first thing that's really powerful. Now you give other people permission to go, wait, okay, me too. Like that's me too. Or that's my son. That's my sister. That's my brother. Like I recognize exactly what you're saying. And from there, by being true, authentic and allowing yourself to be seen, the community that can come from that is something that you can't even plan for. You know, I thought I was free when I left my company. I thought that was freeing. But when I, you know, finally shared publicly that I live with BPD, that wasn't only freeing, but it was almost healing in a sense, mm -hmm. because that part of me, like I said, was hiding for so long. And because I hid it, you know, there was a lot of shame around it. There was a lot of, oh, no, something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. Right. But our conditioning, you know, what people say to us really causes us to to think that, you know, something is wrong with us. And we can't talk about this because people will think that something's wrong with us mm -hmm. and stepping into the vulnerability. Um, though it was uncomfortable, like I said, it was one of the most freeing things I've ever done mm -hmm. because now what do I have to hide? Nothing. <laughs> and it's just like, wait, what? I carried that my whole life and I actually don't even have to carry it anymore. It feels so good. Did you go through the piece of vulnerability hangover at all? Like, was there ever a point where you're like, oh, this is a lot to take on right now? Or I just would love it if you share it because that is something some people are afraid of. I don't think you can avoid it. I like it, it's a part of the process, but I'm just curious what, how you experience that. Yes. Um, so after I had shared the post, maybe not right after, but a few days later, I was like, ooh, you know, I just put out a lot of personal information on the internet. And 
my name, like I did a lot of advocating for my profession throughout the pandemic. So if you Google my name, there's a lot of stories that come up about personal support worker, healthcare and, and myself. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this could, this could backfire. Like this could, this could be bad. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer that owner of that home care company. So really what people think of me doesn't matter. No. Um, and that's one thing that I've really had to work through is people's opinions. There's a lot of things that I, I didn't post or, you know, I didn't share with people because I was scared that I was going to be judged. Mm-hmm. But People are going to judge you regardless. People are going to judge you. You know, if you walk down the street, people are going to judge you. If you post a picture, there's it's, it's just it's, it is what it is. Right. So why stay stuck? Why hide when mm-hmm. you're going to receive judgments anyways? hundred <laughs> percent. They're there. Like they're there, whether you want them to be or not, it's going to happen. And like two things, no one ever judges us more than what we judge ourselves. So that's always been my freeing thing of like, ah, I've already said all those things to myself. Um, so that's the, the one piece of it. And like the second, you just decide what you carry, you decide what you carry. And when we let the opinions, thoughts, and judgments of people who don't pay our bills, don't support us, don't like, don't encourage us. Why, why are we doing that? Day to day, you know, people, we move through life and we live our life based on other people's opinions and judgments. Mm-hmm. And When I broke out of that and I stopped caring what people thought or what people said or what people think, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I just wasn't used to it. You know what I mean? Like it was just, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's all new. It's new, but you did it. Like, this is the thing I want, like, it's new, but it's doable. You did it and it was change and you did it. So it's like, it's all change is scary. I also think staying the same can be scary. We just get to choose which one we want. I think now that mentality of staying the same being scary is what pushes me to continue to grow. You know, as soon as something feels comfortable for me, I'm like, time to change it up. You know, it's time to step into that discomfort because I know that's where I grow most. Oh, and, and, you know, we've both done, um, work with Carrie Russell. There's a shout out for someone else who is incredible. And she's like, the second I start to get comfortable, it's my radar sign, my flashing radar sign that I'm too small. I'm playing too small. And I realize for some people listening, they might be like, Oh my God, I don't want to live in that space all the time. But for some of us, it's like the comfort zone that we all crave is actually stifling. If we stay there. I look back at my comfort zone at rock bottom to, you know, my comfort zone now. Mm -hmm. And hadn't I made that move, hadn't I stepped out of, you know, rock bottom, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm -hmm. And though it was hard, you know, it wasn't easy. It was super uncomfortable. I am so happy I made that choice because had I not, like I would be, I would be stuck. Mm -hmm. I'd be so stuck. Oh, I honestly, Lindsay, uh, to me, you are like the epitome of what I talk about in the show. So I'm so grateful that you've come on and shared this with us today, because this is, this is showing, like, if you're listening to this and this message is hitting you, this is permission slip as to what change you can create in your own life too. It's, it's available for all of us. You just have to be willing to make those steps that are uncomfortable to get to that space. So I'm so proud of you for that. How can people connect with you? 
learn more from you, et cetera. I'll make sure everything you have is in the show notes, but anything that you want to share with them. So you can find me on Instagram at your emotional wellness coach. And I also have a website. It's www.lindsaycouture.ca. Beautiful. Thank you. I will make sure that it it is all there. I have (laughs) loved every piece of this conversation and I'm so proud of you for like stepping in and sharing. Honestly, Um, can I ask you one last question? Of course. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most grateful for? Being a caregiver for my mom. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Because being a caregiver not only has shown me, you know, the love for my mom, because obviously she's my best friend, Mm -hmm. but it's also shown me the resilience, the strength, the power that we all have, even though in moments, it doesn't feel like we have it. It doesn't feel like we, we can grasp it or reach at it, but it's always there. It's always there. Mm, that is absolutely beautiful. Honestly, thank you so much for this conversation and I'll make sure everything is there for people to connect with you. But if you are somebody who wants to learn how to step out of that space and like really start to share who you are, or you are inspired by Lindsay's journey, please reach out to her. Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been a great talk. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.